It's, it's Gentleman Jack. Jack. Crack. Crack. Cue that fucking jaunty music. Nineteenth century groveling, groveling, groveling. Good lord. Hey, 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 Grubbleteers and friends. We're back. Hey, hey. We are back. For a part, you know what? We're not even sure. We just know mm. that we have accumulated a ridiculous amount of hours, per usual, talking about the Aniana saga. And so this is part whatever the fuck, but this is potentially going to be the most lit part because we are finally going to get to the infamous incidents at Blackstone Edge and Scarborough. The anticipation. Right. The anticipation. <sighs> well, I'm not even... I have to reserve the things that will be coming out of me. So let's just start in a place where Anne and Mariana still, kind of like where we left off at the end of the year 1821, they were feeling optimistic, just youthful optimism, perhaps, at what the future held for them. And as the year starts in 1822, they still seem like they are very much in love. If we are to use the indications from Anne Lister written in her diary about what's going on. She, in a sense, was like, look at how shook Bay is. She's just so shook. <laughs> Wait, who's this? Who's POV is this? Is uh, this, uh, this is Alice's, uh point of view. Saying, oh, to uh, Mariana? Right. Look at, look at how shook. <laughs> She's like, she clearly loves she, me. Obviously, she loves me because otherwise. I mean, it's almost as if she saw or had whiff of competition and was like, uh, double down. You know, side thought, and I'm certainly not a therapist, a psychologist or someone who has any one of those several letter degrees in thought or theory of why people do what they do, behavioral studies. But I wonder how it potentially plays into and perhaps this is overall maybe a cultural thing as it relates to a lot of aristocracy. But you know, like physical contact, we, we've we mentioned some amount of times while we were going through the entries, how it seems like Anne correlates affection and her barometer of what she believes Mariana feels for her to physical contact. And then more specifically sex, that if it's, you know, if these things are done, then she's like, oh, obviously there's love. And I wonder if you think there's a correlation to the amount of affection she might have received growing up in general oh like if she was one of those like if she left didn't in a room to crown her own for a bit and it seems like in general like the aristocracy might not have been the most affectionate people in terms of how am i expressing this to my person that i'm married to to my children especially when we look at how a lot of these unions started it's not starting from a place of love and certainly love can develop and grow and happen but i just wonder how a person's upbringing and how they relate affection and love and care what it looks like to them what kind of actions and words have to be said or done for you to feel like love is happening. I get you. And that affecting Ann Lister's perception of Mariana's I would say mm, to, be a, to be a woman. Woman. <laughs> to be a woman growing up in this era is, is so hard because if you have to, if you have, you have, if you have any thought that wasn't put put in, in there by a man, then we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. If you want to say, I don't think that maths and you're a woman. Send her to the nunnery. <laughs> Get the to the asylum. Woman, you are broken. One of the things that came to mind too is like I have a good friend who, in one of our many talks, like he's like someone who, over the course of our knowing each other, like I'm a, I'm a hugger, as you well know, like I'm very affectionate with my friends and people I care about. And he, that's not, that's not something he grew up with 
with either parent, but especially with his father after his parents got divorced, where he was like, hugs just didn't happen. And so hugs not happening really, let alone a verbal expression of I love you, has led to him being a bit more awkward with receiving those things from other people, but at the same time, really wanting it and relishing it, even though he sometimes feels like he, well, awkwardness has a hard time just naturally being like, oh, hey, where some people, they see you, they're like, oh, hugs, yay. And other people are like, whoa, what? What yeah, is that? I, I'm more of Why a are you digital doing that? hugger versus yeah. the in-person. I know, I know. You're like, let me hug you with an emoji. Yep, there you go. That's <laughs> it. See that love? Do you feel it? Do you feel it? Because there it is. It's right there. Send. <laughs> so would you say that you have a similarity to Ann Lister in this way? Let's theorize for a moment, especially with what we know about her parents and upbringing, aside from her aunt, only a certain amount of affection, physical affection would have been happening. So do we feel like this is impacting how she is dealing with Mariana? I mean, I feel like it has to, especially what we said, being queer and just that being your life and who you are, that the expression of your queerness through a sexual relationship can ultimately become very important for you and validating all the stuff. Right. I mean, because you're it's minimizing all of your outlets. It's an outlet where none used to exist in a sense. So if you think about having parents who have loved children and lost them mm -hmm. so it's like d does this mean that if i pour more love into you that you will be you'll be taken from me is that like god's plan here like oh, you don't know so it's like maybe if i keep you at arm's length you know god will be jealous that i'm throwing all this love on you hmm. versus praying to you depending on how god fearing you are because I suppose, yeah. god's big on don't serve any other things don't have idols like yada yada right and so so again, so depending on how adjacent you are to your culture's religion, you just may feel that just being too affectionate in general is taboo because it's like, well, why do you want it so much? Oh, sure. There's definitely some people who feel like affection, especially public affection, is something that is just very hard to, to broach. And I don't know. I mean, I suppose that always comes down to how people are interchangeably and how that might work in a partnership because some people are like, they're like, I know I desperately need that affection and someone's like well I simply can't do it in this mm. public place then you potentially have a fundamental incompatibility for long term stuff I think of Rachel Berry when she's like I need Rachel. applause to live and I just thought it was so ridiculous oh I was like that should go in my bio but I was like <laughs> it never made it but uh, like I, I get what that feels like I need applause to live some sort of validation yeah but I mean I'm at the point where uh, affection whether public or not I mean, as long as it's consensual, I mean, sure, whatever, it's fine. Mm -hmm. I'm not one not to do it. Right. And my interestingly jaunty uh, Bronx situation, <laughs> um, it happens. The boogie I mean, damn Bronx. I'm not the initiator most moments because I don't, I'm not good at reading. You know, I guess some people are good at reading when it's appropriate to be excited to see someone that you want to see. And, you know, I'm not that because when I'm happy to see so somebody. So are you like more reserved? No. So when you say you're more, are you, do you wait to like see some like a response or some sort of reaction before you then react? Or? Right. I see. Okay. That's interesting because you talk about seeing somebody and well, as you already know a little bit, that's sort of where Scarborough, well, specifically Blackstone Edge deals with because it ultimately has to do with Anne not seeing Mariana for a heck of a long time, rushing to meet her 
in the streets no, yeah, I at know the that. carriage. I... And, you know, and it's, 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 Mariana's response is unfortunate, which really hurts Anne's feelings. So, yeah, there's a lot of stuff wrapped up around that. I mean, I'm very bold and assertive, especially when it comes to my feelings. In all relationships, I will speak up for myself and express myself, especially because I don't like to sit on negativity. It bothers me and, like, it affects my whole shit, my whole energy, right. and I just can't even, like, we're going to resolve it. We can't just... <laughs> have it marinating and festering in the wilderness and depending on the personality type that can be annoying to some some people and friends but even if i don't try i feel like i'm sensitive to what people are feeling and so if i'm getting a vibe it's coming up in conversation right then and there let's talk about it let's do it and i know that there's other people that are like no 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 i'm not i'm not gonna provoke that but not candace candace jumps right into the conversation i mean okay hey, so we have an issue call for it right if it's called for if you feel like it should be brought up it should be brought up um, who knows if it's always called for I'm just saying that I have no self-control <laughs> if I perceive that someone is affected emotionally I have to like then know like what's going on am I partly to blame for this and how can I fix or make amends and so as I was saying in the beginning of 182 18 the fuck in the beginning of 1822 things are still relatively on the amoroso between Mariana and Anne. Well, those two entries I'll highlight at the beginning of the year. The first one is on January 3rd, on a Thursday, where Anne writes, I'm teaching me to do my front hair, and we laughed heartily at my awkwardness. <laughs> I just wanted to point that out because I, I know for sure that must have been something hilarious. Marianne trying to be like, let me do your hair, and Anne being like, um. So then the um, birds of paradise, I just, just oh, no. rammed that right here. Is that what I do? She's like, I don't want to do it. And she continues, we are very fond of each other and perfectly happy together. And on the 6th, three days later, she writes, M very low tonight. We sat up talking and consoling each other and latterly in playful dalliance and gentle excitement. Our hearts are mutually and entirely attached. We never loved and trusted each other so well. And I've promised ourselves to be together in six years from this time. Heaven grant it, maybe so. Well, boo, I'm sorry to say that heaven shall not grant this well, we wish. Know, but I mean, six I mean, we years do know. Is... I mean, they don't know, but right. we know that six years is 1828, and Anne is doing some things in the year 1828. One of those things is not living with Mariana. Oh, well, Charles yeah. is not dead. Well, yeah, that too. Yeah. So, in fact, if anything, they're moving further away from each other. So that's kind of sad because it's you know it's it's more of what we have already seen. It's just like this optimism, this hope, this want, this desire. Like, okay, yeah, surely this will be my wife. We will live together forever in happiness, just a, just a little bit longer, and it's finally gonna happen. And so, as they leave or they separate from each other, Anne writes on Monday, the following day, Em and I had parted tolerably, but the sight of my room was melancholy. I sighed and said to myself, "She is gone." and it is as though she has never been. I was getting very low and therefore sat down to write my journal, then obliged to while away my time talking to my aunt and doing nothing. How dull without M, my wife and all I love. Felt very low and dull. Oh, that M and I were together. Had a fire at night contrary to my usual custom. It cheered the room a little, but everything looked, and I felt desolate. That's, a, that's not a happy place to be, uh, but I nah. get... It's lonely. No, I know. Lonely. She's just like, yeah. I was gonna sing something completely different. Oh, what was it? I touched a fire and it freezes. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! So I will walk through the fire. Where else <laughs> should I turn? Lord. Lord, Lord, Lord. So, yeah, that's pretty fucking sad. But, you know, because that's so sad, let us go to a happy moment. And even though Tib be going through some fangs with Ann Lister, she is certainly a bright light. <laughs> Every time she shows up in the diaries, usually. Good. Usually. Which is why I'm like, oh, I would just would have loved to have Tib in the show. 
Well, there's always series two, so you never know. What I think is funny is, uh, of course, Tib makes an appearance, and if Tib and Ann aren't talking about women, are they Tib and Ann? <laughs> no. <laughs> On the 22nd of January, there's a little bit of um, competitiveness between Tib and Ann. As Ann writes, Tib drove from Halifax to Lightcliff this morning. I really think I am as good, though. Not quite so stylish a driver as she. She ran us with the top against the wool sacks on a cart at the bottom of the country lane. And if all the horses had not been steady, it might have been awkward. In spite of her not allowing herself to be ever frightened at anything, she was rather nervous after it. So every time I read about Tib, I'm like, Tib sounds like the shit. I mean... Where was Tibbs, lady love? And you know what? Let me not go off into my trying to invent stories about what Tib could have been up to while she was in her PJ Harvey Dofels over Ann Lister hooking up with bad women. See, I'm already getting distracted. But <laughs> Tib sounds awesome. And on the 28th, Ann writes, talking of my sleeping with Eliza Belcombe. <laughs> so. So. Hold up. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up. Is your so. Okay. With the fact that you. Terrence, please. Can you keep a good list of down? No. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. This is why Mariana already know, like, girl, out of sight, not out of mind, but I mean, just the rules change. She like do a lip with the new rules. She's like, new rules. Uh, Mariana is back in Chester and I'm still gay and endless or so. What shall I do? But make up to a woman, flirt with a woman. She's pretty, might sleep with her. So yeah, this is what's happening. The last time she saw Mariana was at the beginning of this month. And like we saw, she was like, man, this is some fucking bullshit. I'm so lonely and sad. And it's at the end of the month, she's with Tim. And she's like, I don't know, I could sleep with Eliza. And so forget the fact that Eliza's another woman. That's that's a bell comb. That's right. This is what I'm... That's a bell That's comb. what I'm saying. <laughs> and who's really to say? Like, there's so many reasons uh, why you can theorize Anne was doing this. Well, she wanted to smash Eliza. That's reason enough because she's pretty fucking gay. Uh, issues, layers of petty and ridiculous with Mariana because she was fucking with all the sisters, even the one that she was judgmental about, which is Harriet. Oh, uh, what's Harriet up to? Oh, is she a philandra cheating on her husband? But also Harriet is so interesting. I'm intrigued <laughs> by Harriet. I could <laughs> totally, totally do stuff with Harriet. Oh, I'm playing footsie with Harriet. So, yeah. Oh, let me... <laughs> so I I only got halfway through the first sentence as she was talking about seeing with Eliza Belcom. outrageous. And she continues, said I should not like it and that I was much altered of late in all these matters. So there, that's for you, Terrence. Hmm. Tib laughed, looked incredulous, bade me not to say so and added, quote, it would be unnatural in you not to like sleeping with a pretty girl, end quote. I thought of M. <laughs> well. Sorry, as I do perpetually and that for her, I could and would do anything. Tib is affectionate, seems happy here and is quieter than she used to be. She appears to have no suspicion of my living with and loving seriously any other than herself. Poor soul. I know how she will take it when the truth comes out. I mean, you could also, I, I, you know, maybe I should just hate the game and not the player. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and let's to play the game the best she can. Oh, Lord. Sure. <laughs> sure. I mean, I have a, a soft spot in my heart for Tib and all that she suffers through because I just think she seems cool as fuck. But like I've contended since the beginning of this is that, yes, Ann Lister is, uh, well, she is like, I am I will try to seduce these ladies because it is fun and it's what I want to do and this is how I can occupy my mind and my nethers. At the same time, it's multitasking. But also, like, it's the Mariana impact. Because her and Mariana have this bond and this relationship that they forge and they're in after Mariana does her thing to be like, Tib over there, me, me, I'm the main one. Who's to say how Anne's fidelity might've worked out had her and Mariana been able to 
be wives and do that thing, I still maintain that there's enough incompatibilities. In my personal opinion, where they're concerned where there would be other issues that would arise. But we can only theorize about Anne's fidelity. And like I said, can you keep a good lister down? I don't know. I I, I mean, mm-hmm. I, she. I think every time she sees a pretty woman, she's going to be like, damn, damn, would you look at her? Like Miss Brown. <laughs> like she can't help that. And who can? Who can? Your eyes are on your face. Right. They see things. Your brain reacts and perhaps other things. And you're like, well, that just happened. So there's nothing you can do about it. But in terms of her ability to hold steadfast to her, I was trying to think of a word that isn't translucent for the vowels. Like it's there, but it's not. Like it's not a mirage. No, I get but it's you. also I, no, not no, permanent. Right. You know, it's like in the in-between. <laughs> right. Like when you have half awake and half asleep. Right, right. right. Exactly. It's like fucking, I was about to say sleep apnea or sleep paralysis, but it's vow paralysis. See, if, if in the new Mary Poppins, it's the place where the lost things go. But, but, right. which is essentially just, again, that place in between. But that's also where people lose a lot of petticoats. Well, so just sort of be they careful. Do. Be careful of the in between. <laughs> Truly. Another interesting entry that mentions Tib happens in February 15th, day after Valentine's, where Anne writes after dinner. Long and rather sparring conversation with Tib about M. So they fighting. Of whom? About M? Mm-hmm. Hmm. And that's because, and I, I feel like I've said this before when I was hinting about Miss Pickford, that Anne, she is vastly intelligent and perceptive enough. But perhaps that ego sometimes keeps her from realizing that other people can be perceptive too about her and maybe are picking things up. And so while she thinks she's out here doing the most and winning at convincing Tib that she's totally done totally done with Mariana. Matter of fact, I don't even think about Mariana. Matter of fact, I don't even know when the last time I incurred a cross about that bitch is. That Tib is just going to believe this bitch when Tib was with Anne before Mariana and knows them both. Knows them the longest, respectively, because she knew Mariana first and knew Anne first. So I don't know. I'm just going to say I don't think Tib is a damn fool. She a drinker, but not a fool. So it continues. Um, Yes, sparring conversation with Tib about M, of whom she is perpetually jealous. She says I am not to think she has ever been gulled. So there uh. you go. She's like, bitch, don't ever think you fooled me, ho. Sorry, I'm, I am I was just but about to get with the Tib jump, but that is, no, that's Tib's energy. And Anne continues, she thinks M is almost tired of C and wants to have me. I fought off saying I should not like another man's leavings. Tib owns M, might marry almost anybody if she was at liberty. Ooh. Talked to Tib of the impossibility of Tib and I living together because she must be with Charlotte, but hinted that I should get someone and hoped Tib would come and see me. She would if she might sleep, but never otherwise. But I might go and see her if I did not take my companion with me. She's like, you can come home, but don't bring that. Don't bring a bitch. Right. <laughs> see, and now, but now I can get a bigger picture as to you know, yes, Tib is there, but also Tib may end up inheriting some things. So like. You know, oh, for let's, sure, let's, for talk, sure. let's talk for future. Sure. Let's talk future since, you know, you feel as though. But she wildish because she can't deal with Charlotte. She's like literally two hoes in the house. I simply cannot. Right. Polygamy is not for me. Polyamory is not what Ann Lister's doing. It seems like there are multiple hard stops where Tib is concerned, but that is just another to the list. Despite Tib's willingness to be flexible to a somewhat extreme point, except on this point of her sister. And obviously she's right to die for her sister, Charlotte, as it should be. That's your sister. Who else going to be taking care of Charlotte if not some douchebag dude? Which we would prefer for none of these sisters to get married. I mean, I know, I know. Maybe there's a head in there and they deserve happiness and love. But also, what's up with these men? I'm, what I don't if know. Madame Belcombe has journals. Wait, wait, wait. Follow me. What if not if only? If they survived, wait, we would have known. Wait. What if not only did Madame Belcombe have journals, but she was on some Chris Jenner with her daughters? What? 
I don't, you have to explain that one. You're talking about the Kardashian mother, right? Yes. Okay. What do you mean? That she had her daughters go out for the, to expand the empire in a sense. Well, I mean, that's sort of the modus operandi for girls because you're just seen as a giant succubi on your family's fortune or whatever they have, their means, because you exist and you're of legal age to get married <laughs> and you're not married. So Mrs. Belcombe was, her and her husband were like, get these hoes out the house, out the house, out the house, out the house. And Mariana was among the first, you know, and Harriet was also married, but we know Harriet's marriage was not one of... Well, I'll <laughs> say she, I'll say that it seems like there are at least two Belcombe sisters who don't give a fuck about the sacrament. Not really. And so it's not just Mariana, it's Harriet. And even though she talked that shit about Harriet, y'all got a little bit in common in terms of how you're treating the quote unquote sanctity of marriage and what's supposed to be happening there. I think that it's very likely with how her daughters were all fucking around with Anne that Mrs. Belcombe had, especially when we read that other entry where she was like, bitch, aren't you being kind of silly with how you're acting with Mariana? Because she's seen it for years. And we know that flirting is flirting. Is it not? And when Mariana was arguing about how you talk to women, how you deal with women, and Anne's like, I own, I'm very gentlemanly. So she is always on the flirts. Mrs. Belcombe has eyeballs and she has ears that apparently can hear the sound. So she knows. She don't got to call thing a thing, especially since there were no words. <laughs> there were no official definitions to be like, well, they've gone to Italy if you were to read uh, one of Anne's well, papers. Yeah. But she doesn't, you know, she didn't have exact words to express it but I think she definitely had an idea that this woman Ann Lister has a very powerful magnetic pull and it is not altogether rated G and if I ever want these hoes to get married I surely must keep them away from right. Ann Lister because, because her she... energy towards Ann Lister was quite it was quite interesting but at the same time if I knew a bitch was sleeping with all my girls I'd be like can't you just pick one <laughs> you know how much drama you causing in the house do you know how much drama is now between these girls because you have fucked with them all? There was an episode like that in the L Word, original L Word, some, I don't even know what season, but it's with Shane because Shane was always the messiest bitch on the show, don't got no goddamn self-control. And there was one episode, she's at a wedding and she's supposed to be doing the hair of the bride, mother of the bride, bridesmaid, whatever. And during the course of the episode, she sleeps with the girl getting married, the sisters who are the bridesmaids and the mother. Right? And so towards the end of the episode, well, hey, hey, sometimes it'd be like that. So towards the end of the episode, it's like a convergence of all the bitches wanting to get on second grubble, but then they overlap and run into each other and start fighting. And Shade is like, oh, I got to dip because this is fucking. But that's what that is. That you're realistically, right. when you see it, you're like, wonder wow. what you've done. This is. You've used your gay powers for bad, and I'm not. See, no. This is right. supposed to use it for good. I don't not know if anybody not. else had that vision of Ann Lister in this <laughs> setting, in this time, but... I'm just saying, Ann Lister was like, I flirt with all the bitches, all of them. Age range 0 <laughs> to 99. Well, let me fix that. Age range 16 to 99. <laughs> that's that's what we doing if you're Ann Lister. So, hey. And especially with all these queers out here being queer, but like undercover queers or just like, oh, I'm um, not an aggressive queer because I simply, I'm not, I don't, I haven't developed those skills yet. To have an Ann Lister walking around is a superpower in a sense if you're a Mariana and you're so concerned about what other people think about you. And surely Ann Lister is too, but not to stop her from flirting with a girl. Right. So if we especially take the interpretation of Mariana from the show, when she sees a hot bitch, she sees a hot bitch and she would react accordingly like a queer woman because she doesn't have that confidence or that gall, that jaunt to be like, I will say this directly to you. You look great today. Oh, that's fantastic. Oh, here's a wink. Here are the eyebrows. You can come to resent those things versus accept them, love them, and trusting your fidelity. But again, there was nothing to trust in the fidelity, truly, between Anne and Mariana. So that's just, it's like them thinking Charles was gonna die in five years. Yeah. Hopes and dreams and really just vapors because they would manifest into nada. 
so yeah, Tib calls bullshit on Anne not flirting or fucking other bitches. And Tib is right about that. And they have their fight about Mariana. And on March 18th, Tib is kind of lamenting her temper, according to Ann Lister in this entry. On Monday, where she writes, got up without saying a word, told Tib at a quarter past nine, it was time to get up and I should order the gig to be ready for her a quarter after 12. She merely asked if I should not go. I said, I thought not. I was very billous. And she said she was very sorry. I took little notice of her at breakfast, but told them all I was billous. She followed me upstairs and asked what made me so cross. I saw she was coming round and I told her I thought she behaved very ill and that it was for her to ask for a kiss if she wanted one. <laughs> wow. That's how Alistair is when she wow. got attitude. She was like, you want a kiss? I'll give it to you, but you got to ask for it. It's not going to be me just being like, let's let's go to Italy. That's She said. Petty gay, but still gay. She said, good morning. <laughs> she said, good um, morning, bitch. What's, where did gig get? Like, right. Like, uh, we can eat if you want. The you usual feel, arrangements you feel, for you to get the fuck out right. because if I'm you, upset. If you feel up for a snack, like there's something that's prepared, you can eat. I'll be but there How gay is that shit? She's like, if you feel up for a kiss, I mean, obviously, I, I'm usually generally 99.9% of the time up for a kiss, but I'm still mad right now. I'm still mad at how you were carrying on. I mean, I don't expect you or desire you to change. You are who you are. So it's, it's done. It's happened. Until next time. Whenever that is. Bye. I like leaving on terms like that only because it's like, well, when 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 is it safe for me to come back? Well, when you feel it's safe for you to come back, you will mm-hmm. be back. But I'm not checking for you, especially if I don't expect you to change. What? To touch quickly on why Tib is apologizing. The previous day they had a, another row, as it were. Started about a conversation to do with her father and where he might live. But that's not as important as the fact that Tib gave an opinion and and voiced well. Mariana would think differently. Ah. Whereabouts, like paraphrasing. And she wrote in code after that, Tib took this in desperate dungeon. Nothing I could say would appease her. She saw through me. She saw what I was. I had been guilty of the utmost grossness. She wished I had M with me. And for her own part, it was well she was going so soon and she would never trouble me anymore. She had come for the last time. I did all I could to pacify and asked her to give me a kiss. She said she did not want one. I then said, ask for one when you do, and then went downstairs. She was out of sorts all the afternoon and evening, though downstairs almost all the time. She said nothing when we came to bed. I waited a minute or two to give her an opportunity and then went to undress. So, I mean, that shit makes sense. Yeah. Because she was trying to let her hell think that she was actually done and good. And for a while, we know Anne was actually thinking that, may, oh, maybe someone could work with Tib. And then neglected to inform Tib about the new developments in her love life. And Tib has sussed it out. And she's salty. As she should be. Because, again, Mariana was her friend first. Like, I don't know how a bitch not supposed to be salty. Just a, a little bit salty. You know what I mean? Just always a little. All right. So, a little bit of salt. And most of my acquaintanceships slash friendships, I am the bridge that seems to connect people to relationship <laughs> destination. Oh, oh, no. I mean, it's not like good luck, Chuck, or whatever that is. Oh, where you sleep with him and I then you meet the love of your luck, life. Chuck, right. Like, I'm not jaunty in the bedroom like that first off. So, so don't, don't, don't do that. But I will have friends who will find other friends attractive and it will happen. Like, I mean, it's whatever. If I chose to sit on the trigger and not act on how I felt in that moment, and someone brand new came out and jaunted straight past and went for their shot and, and, and not only shot, they shot, but it shot back. I mean, (laughs) sorry. Then 
let them do what they do. I'm not gonna sit there and be bitter about it. If it works, I mean, Tim was bitter because she was misunder. She she was led astray. You know, she had a misunderstanding that was helped along by Ann Lister letting her misunderstand what was happening between the two of them. And so I think her saltiness is natural, but Ann is simply ridiculous. And it's not surprising that she would look to appease Tib with sex because she uses that a lot. Like, let's fuck because then like will be better like things will be better right just because an yeah. orgasm makes everything better it adds a plus to the system of yes. scales it got a rush of happy feels and endorphins and things so okay but i mean she she wild it oh so you, you don't want to kiss well let me know when you do want one it's up to you well are you surprised that i'm keeping the same and what if tib was like is this before? a pity kiss i feel like Alice was like nothing's ever a pity kiss with me it's all <laughs> it's all interest but i don't know well, anyway, your rig's here, so bye. <laughs> so returning back to the following day entry and continued to write after she was like, I told her that I thought she behaved every ill and asked for that damn kiss if you want one. She continues, first she wished I had M. Then she was sorry for what she had done. Would not do so anymore, etc. Could not bear to think she did not suit me. Loved me better than anything in the world. It would be my fault if we did not live together. I quietly told her we never should and persisted that she did not suit and it was best to be candid at once. She cried a little and said she was very unhappy. I bade her cheer up and said there was no reason why we should not always be very good friends. She could not bear me to talk so. However, I gave her a kiss or two, and we got the time over till 12. At a few minutes before 12, Isabella set off in the gig. And the following day, she writes, very short, entry included here. Tib and I parted without any nervousness. She said she would come again next year. I hope not. I am much happier not to have her, and am glad enough that she is gone. That I have got my room comfortably to myself. She does not suit me at all. Oh. Well, sometimes you got to stick around someone to know that you don't really need them around. And sometimes people like to fill their space with something because they don't really want to be in the space of feeling lonely or alone. And that wrong company will be you'll be like, oh, well, I'd rather be alone than be with someone who just doesn't get where I'm coming from. So, you know, you can go and I'll be I'll be fine right here. I'll be OK. Right. So ultimately, it's better for Tib, because who wants to always feel like you're you're clearly second best, runner up, consolation prize? That's Kit Keller up. <laughs> I don't know why you're trying to troll me on a league of their own I'm when I just not. told you I don't want to talk about Kit. I know I mean, she gets everything and Dottie gets nothing. And I understand Dottie gets something, but I don't want to talk about what Penny Marshall did to me at the end of that film, despite how deeply I love it. I will always be salty that Dottie Henson did not win that championship. I'm sorry, I, guys. That's how I feel about it. That I is how I feel about it. It's what I think. It's what that I feel. way, I have to tell you. I'm, I'm not saying that Dottie didn't have a full fucking life. I'm not saying that she wasn't happy to be there. I'm just saying that me as a viewer, that from the minute she let go of the ball, I was like, oh, this is what we're doing. And then at the end, I just was like, okay, so Dottie, Husband died. Where her children at? Where her grandchildren? Where are grandbabies? No grandbabies. She's here by herself. And here's Kit. Here's 16 of my legacy. Here's the next generation <laughs> and the generation <laughs> after that. Here's all these photos. Here's my fucking husband. And I'm just like, okay, all right. The biggest troll of all, Penny Marshall. R.I.P. Thank you so much for that troll because you trolled the shit out of me. Don't do this to me. Forever a favorite. But I mean, it's good to watch something. And then watch it with someone else who sees something different from you. It's like watching it's it like Titanic, for the first time. The yeah. door. Like people who just can't get over the fact that Rose was rude and She's didn't like, even try to keep right, a piece nope. of his leg on him. He could have lived an extra hour or two from the frostbite if you just let him get a piece of the shit on the door. She didn't do that. <laughs> and why do you look like you haven't seen your sister in years? What that is this? That is true. So that the whole energy just pisses me off. 
specifically. I can't get past it. Like from it. a sibling perspective, yeah. Yeah, so Tib bounces and Anne is over it. Tib isn't totally over it, unfortunately for her, but Anne is over it. Might as well have been an effigy burning. <laughs> Turning that fire on in her room. Like, oof, alone. I could sleep in the middle of my bed. Like, she's just, she's, she's done. like, let me burn these damn linens now. <laughs> Before I move on to an entry in June, Helena Whitbread writes after an April entry in her book that Anne was now 31 and felt it was time to take stock of her life. Her venereal disease gave her cause to reflect seriously before taking up new liaisons. Her relationship with Isabella had become platonic and M was still far from being free to join her life with Anne. So, I'm sorry. Are you telling me that Tib left with a complaint? If you're asking, will Tib complain (laughs) shortly of a complaint (laughs) that she got from Anne Lister? Yes, that's oh exactly God. right. <laughs> George and Error CDC was like, girls, girls, girls. This is not what we're supposed to do. I say you out here offering kisses, girl, and you shouldn't be offering a damn thing. Not just because you are, quote unquote, committed to Mariana, but because of the complaint, girl. Remember? Remember. Mm. Oh, no. So, but yeah, midsummer, or I guess at the beginning of summer, Anne writes in her diaries on Thursday, June 27th, 1822, talking after supper to my uncle and aunt about M. One thing led to another till I said plainly, in substance, that she would not have married if she or I had good independent fortunes, that her having C was as much my doing as hers, and that I hoped she would one day be in the blue room, that is, live with me. I said we both of us knew we could not live on air. Besides, I did not like her being in Petergate, York, and had rather have her at Lawton than there. My uncle, as usual, said little or nothing, but seemed well enough satisfied. My aunt talked, appearing not at all surprised, saying she always thought it a match of convenience. So, her? Well, okay. Well, I mean, here's her talking relatively plainly, it seems yes. to me, about her desires and her wants and her future. So, I mean, you know, I am like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've, I've been seen it. I've been seen right. this as the road for quite some time now. By the same time, she's doing those weird concessions and half lies when it comes to Mariana about what might have happened, what could have happened. Because, girl, I don't know. I do not think you prefer to have her at Lawton, but okay. The other entry I'm going to point out is about a month away from here. It's on July 11th. Anne and her aunt essentially set off for a tour of North Wales. And they're away from home until July 27th. So what is that, like two weeks? And the two main points for this trip are essentially a hookup that is arranged with Mariana for one night in Chester and a visit to the Ladies of Lenglaven, which we were talking about privately earlier that historically were some pretty, I don't want to say obvious, but um, visible queers, but were existing within those weird waves of eccentricity and curiosity to sort of exist in society as gay as they were and becoming a bit of a tourist attraction of sorts for how they live their lives and their home and things of that nature. And of course, Anne being Anne was curious as fuck about two women living alone in a cute ass fucking cottage. She was like, is this a giant she shed? Uh, this feels, are uh, the vape is coming from the chair. <clears throat> but, uh, <laughs> so, something rather charming about this whole love. Uh... So that is what goes down. So essentially on Friday, July 12th, the trip starts out pretty shit and writes about an incident, an incident with a coachman. And she essentially gets yelled at <laughs> by a dick. Oh, she's writing about this interaction with her horses. And Percy is the name of the horse. Percy and the leaders came in contact. Poor Percy trembled and he was a good deal frightened, but stood still and behaved beautifully while the coachman pulled up and waited a second till we could get past. Quote, hello, you driving a gig there on that side, said the coachman. We were on the left side and quite right. I called out I would go on the other side. And he responded, quote, 
you go to hell, said he, surly. <laughs> what a dick. So I'm like, surly, this huh? is Georgian road rage. This is this is road rage, which mm-hmm. we know. I'm not sure of the exact statistic right now, but I know it was something like 90% of road rage <laughs> incidents are from dudes. Yes. Who just need to chill. She then writes a little bit later. We got into Chester at 410. M out. I was shockingly fidgety. M had left number four, retrospective review on her table. At last, M came at six, after I had waited two hours. I had got into a sad agitation and fidgetness, tried to make the best of the hours we had lost. M had been sending the servants to inquire at the coach's office and watch the arrival of the last Manchester coach till after six. Meant to have gone to bed very early, but after nine, M asked me to go see Madame Tussaud's waxwork figures. We were there sometime, did not go upstairs till a little past ten, and were not in bed till twelve. Sat up talking, delighted to see each other, yet somehow I felt very low, but fought it off as well as I could. And the following day, she writes, Two kisses last night, one almost immediately after the other, before we went to sleep. Felt better, but was so shockingly low last night, I cried bitterly, but smothered it so that M scarcely knew of it. At any rate, she took no notice, wisely enough. M told me of the gentlemanliness and agreeableness of Mr. Powis, who it seems might interest M. More than duly had her heart no object but C, with whom she has had no connection these four months. So, well, hmm. So, uh, she's not in a rush to grow with her husband. I mean, surprise. I mean, I'm surpri- I'm not surprised. First of all, do do not ever use grubble in relation to C, aka Charles, ever <laughs> again, or you will get kicked out of the studio. A jaunty kick, but no, it's um, it's a number of things. She has to wait, and Mariana's excuse is that she was doing some shit with the servants. It's like, girl, couldn't they have waited till tomorrow? Probably, probably, since the time was limited, and that puts Anne in a sour mood. There might have been the other stuff with dickish dude, but I feel like it's these little things with Mariana that probably start setting her off into the dolefuls. And then what she mentions in the second entry is that M is mentioning some man named Mr. Powis, who seems of interest to M for one reason or another, whether it's to try to cajole some sexy times to try to get an air or just general interest. But if you're seeing your girl who you don't get to see all the time and all you got is one night, I think talking about anybody else, but especially dude, is probably not going to go over well. Oh, I agree. I agree. Lord, where's your focus, Mariana? Where is your focus? Why why am I here? Why are we doing this? And this is another sign to me, too, that I, I'm curious about Mariana's perceptiveness because Anne will say this a couple, well, not a couple, a lot more times in the coming entries, but this indication of I was essentially sobbing. I was a hot mess, but Mariana didn't seem to notice or didn't seem to bother her. And I don't, it's one of two things that Mariana is that self-centered and oblivious to other people having many breakdowns and issues, or she purposely pretends to be obtuse to not have to deal with the emotional labor of why Anne is crying. I want to offer a third option, which is not likely to be the truth, but maybe Anne just did one of those heavy sighs that Marianne, Mariana didn't pick up on, where because... But Anne, the phrase she uses, I cried bitterly. Right. like That's a heavy sigh? Of, right, but think of <laughs> any time we would have seen... Well, hmm. the fact that she wrote it the way she wrote it does make it seem like it's this, um, I don't want to say extravagant thing, but it is. It's out of sorts. It would have been a clear out of sort behavioral response that Mariana either would have 
took notice of or not. So yeah, I guess it is what you're saying. It just seems insensitive because uh, unless you're completely and totally clued out, I feel like most people can tell when someone is about to cry, has been crying, or is crying because the eyes, for one, get glassy. You can't avoid that. Sometimes they get red. Sometimes your face or your nose or your cheeks do a thing and there's not much you can do. And even if you're stifling it, that stifling is also obvious, I feel like. But then again, I'm a watcher, so I can only go based off my perception of tears is that I can always sense when they're coming about to come happening and I just feel like there's a million cues that someone is upset let alone actual sobbing which is like yeah totally they're upset like now you don't even have to ask questions because look at it and and stifling it saying she stifles it and somehow manages to stifle it while in the same room as Mariana and Mariana asks no questions Mm. it's just curious to me it's curious to me maybe you are able to stifle your sobs and no one is ever like oh are you okay like, have you been in a situation like that where you did that, where you're like, this feels plausible? My nine to five. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, a lot of people die every day um, in public yeah. at their nine to five and nobody gives a damn. And that's because y'all dying together. It's a mute. It's like um, it's a slow burn. A group, <laughs> uh, yeah, a group burning. Yeah. Still, the Mr. Powis thing, it just leaves me like, what the fuck, Mariana? Who is right. Mr. Powis and why the fuck are we mentioning Mr. Motherfucking Powis? But I'm wondering if it was done to see if she would latch onto it and not let it go. It's sort of a, um, you're trying to make me jealous, Mariana. You know, okay, like- well, why would you try to make Anne jealous with a man knowing how her ego and self-esteem works? You should just do it with a woman. Like, do it with a woman, not a dude. We know how Anne is about the mankeen and the worldly and all this other shit that why would you insinuate to her that you might want or are fucking around with a dude when that would be the worst thing to potentially insinuate to an analyst in terms of who you fucking? Well, I mean, uh, from our or notes, we know that those are the kinds of um uh interactions that strive to hurt her on a level more deeply where Mm. it's like i shan't say no to this man and it's like what we shan't say no like are you kidding me no 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 i get you but like but that's like one of the worst um ways that you can regale yourself because you're telling someone that you have a 90 plus percent success rate of of being in a happier inner your your session is bound to be sweeter, and you, and we and you both know this. But you're saying to I'm going to instead take my chance on the eleven percent. No, I think you're well. Okay, so now that you've brought back in the het reality of the eleven percent versus the ninety three, okay, especially because I do believe Mariana to be very petty and not lacking in intelligence. I will co-sign what you're suggesting that Mariana was up to some fuck shit in mentioning it. To me, I'm still like, why would you do that? But that's me with most of what Mariana does. I'm like, why would you say that though? Why would you do that? Like, I get your motivations. I can empathize with them, but Mariana, why? Why must you say and do the things you say and do the way you say and do them? Because damn, there are other options here. So, okay, we can definitely both agree that she mentioned Mr. Powis to start some puck shit. Yes. Yes. Even if he's just an invention. But I, I, I mean, but we'll see. I don't know if it's an invention like Anne's a <laughs> bad woman. Oh, Anne. Because it seems like Anne maybe heard of this powers because there's only so many motherfuckers. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, oh. There's only so right. many motherfuckers from the, from where the, they live in. From the powers apothecary. Right. Like, it's just... <laughs> <laughs> 
<sighs> I did want to point out an entry from her travels on the 17th, which is where she writes in code about essentially being a bit tight with the tips. And it's interesting because she writes this in crypt hand, but it goes to her, her gaucheries as it pertains to money and perception and what she wishes she could do. So she writes... Went to see the castle at about 10.15. Gave the man two shillings for showing the castle. I think one would have done. <laughs> That's what I mean. The art of traveling requires an apprenticeship. Surely I shall improve in time. I have given many a sixpence that might have been spared. <laughs> Sorry. She's like, you didn't even show this castle that ground. I don't even know why I got to give you two shillings. Well, I mean... One. When you think and of, uh, they're working hard. They're working hard, but she should know. Well, she not here, mm, and not mm, yet. Mm, mm, mm. Not here, and not yet. But and we'll come to learn that those who work hard and those who work at the Lister level of excellence, there is going to be a vast discrepancy. It's absurd. And I guess some people are like this, but honestly, she is haggling in her diary about how many pence she could have saved on her travels. When really, girl, that's not how big spenders work, which is what's funny to me, that she's stressing over these things, but at the same time, concerned about what other people think. And it's like, well, they seem a little incompatible. You are pressed about these shillings and pence. But then again, because things were tight and her father was horrible at business, of course, there were actual realities of, of being pressed for money and having holes in her stockings and things of that nature. <laughs> she ended that part with, always take in your hand what you mean to give before you go. <laughs> All right, and later she writes in code about her and her aunt and just, you know, the traveling. We do not cut a figure in traveling equal to our expenses. My aunt is shabbily dressed and does not quite understand the thorough manners of a gentlewoman. For instance, taking the man's arm so readily to Snowden, etc. Indescribable! George, too, is a clown of a servant. Oh. <laughs> George motherfucking wow. playful. <laughs> Before he shot, um, too simple in the manners of the world, but we are not known. I will try to learn and improve in traveling matters and by thought and observation may turn all this to future advantage. But I feel very low. Somehow or other, seeing M has been no comfort to me. When I asked her how long she thought it might be before we got together and she seemed to fight off answering on pressing further, she said she felt some delicacy on this subject and did not like to talk openly of it, even to ourselves. For though she did not love him, yet kindness and obligation made her feel a wish to avoid calculating the time or thinking of it except in general terms um oh i know uh, yeah mm. gonna say that i have issues with what marinate being... marinate on those okay. issues i will finish this okay. entry because yeah she mm. i promise not to press her on the subject again all this has made a great impression on me and i know not how it is i cannot shake it off she never did so before but talked as coolly on so many five or ten for instance years as i did she seemed as fond of me as ever yet all the night when i was almost convulsed with smothering my sobs she took no notice nor was affected at all apparently the next morning her eyes filled at parting i know not how it is but she as it were deceived me once and i feel that it is miserable to doubt my aunt observed that she did not seem so fond of me as i was of her mm? i wish i did not think so much of all this but alas i cannot help it surely i shall be better by and by i feel miserably low i remember too what she said of mr powis that if her heart was not engaged as it is to me she might be in danger of a very undesirable and uncomfortable feelings of interest towards him mm. i have written her a few lines but feel as if i had not resolution were i fit for another world how gladly would i go there Whew. that's why i was like let me finish the whole entry because it's a lot now you can uh, my 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 i will recall back we just were here for when uh isabella was leaving and we saw the moods that everyone was in and then it's like well you know should i come back will i come back should i come back 
can I come back? And then Lester was on some, well, I mean, I'm personally done with this whole situation, but I guess you could try to think of when you can visit on your own terms, mm-hmm. I guess. And the energy is not too far off here with her supposed betrothed. And it's like, well, when are we going to get time to be together? And you're like, I can't think about it. It's rude. Yeah, now she's like, it's rude to Charles. She's like, it's rude to Charles. And I'm I'm like, like, girl, what? Again, you are now If we can't crack jokes about your wrinkly dick husband, what can we do? Like, right. sorry, that if was my that was my energy coming through. <laughs> if we can't bond in Masandrian over hating your fucking husband and the fact that he exists and he is this barrier between us, and now you're feeling bad, suddenly your morals are creeping up about how we talk about Charles, but don't creep up when you ask him for a kiss, bitch. How they don't creep up when you pass the complaints, bitch. How they creep up when you want to protect Charles' feelings, propriety for him dying, girl. Oh my God, are I they can't. both sitting there in this room in this time with the same complaint that came from Charles? Wait, try, say that one more time. Are they both sitting in this room at the same time with this same complaint that came from Charles? Um, theoretically, yes, they would have to be because it's happened. I'm not going to yell. I'm not going to yell. I'm not, not going to yell. I'm not. I'm not. I mean, you can if you want to, but. <laughs> I do want to. It's just not my point. Hey, wait a minute. First off, I don't know. I've yet to see a prominent wife figure in any kind of media that did not take an opportunity to privately bash her husband to her friends. Mm. That's like the thing wives do. Mm-hmm. Wasn't that where all those exes were, were at? And um, I was about to say the secret garden. And um, <laughs> in the secret where, garden, where Renee Zellweger was there with all, oh. all, all they were all there. They were all bashing the men. Oh, Jerry Maguire. Jerry Maguire. Mm-hmm. You hosted complete dinner parties. Me. Like that's what. You, Misandry dinner party. Yeah, right. you roast Charles. You get all the girls together, like your sisters were doing before, and you're like, God, Charles is so annoying. Charles is so old. Oh my God, can you let's play, let's please bets right now. When's Charles gonna die? Six months? <laughs> two months? Two years? That's that's the But now your girl's telling you, when can we see each other? And you're like, Oh, this is this kind of conversation is rude. Yeah, my no, that's husband. not that's it's already that's look, I'm already gonna be up. on ten when you mention Charles's name if I'm in Anne's position, let alone oh, Candace, think about Charles. I'm like, think about I'd have turned up. See, Anne was like, Oh, I need to smother my sobs, bitch. The whole Latin would have come out because I would have been throwing all the stuff. And I guess that would have been bad because I wouldn't have been able to afford with Anne's money the damage oh, the I would have done yeah. to the room. They'd have been like, What the fuck is this? Where is your propriety, bitch? And I'm like, it's gone. It's gone. Propriety left when C's name was mentioned. It left when she was like, think of my husband. And I was like, okay, I thought I was your husband. Okay, excuse me. Sorry. Sorry. What? Think of your husband. Because that's literally what Mariana writes. My husband's Friday. So if she would have said the word husband, I'd be like, oh, the same term you used in your letter? Like, who's who's the husband now? Who is it? Is it me or is it Charles? Whose feelings are you more concerned with right now? Hurting mine or hurting Charles? Because it seems like you're more concerned with Charles who is not here. Hurting his feelings when he can't know what we're talking about unless you tell him. Right. But you're here with me right now, hurting my actual in process, in the moment right. feelings. Uh, my feelings right now. Right now. In favor of Charles. By things okay. that you are saying. Cool. On purpose. Great. To me, at me, and to me. Mm-hmm. Like, you're not talking to Isabella right now. Like, you're talking to me. No, you're talking to, to me. me. Literally to me. <laughs> the fuck? So, yeah, I mean, I like that. So... This next entry, bit of a mention of Anne being salty after the fact and moody because of what Mariana has just relayed to her in Chester about Charles and being delicate. 
<laughs> with his feelings. Obviously, she feels away about it. Oh, this entry was written on July 23rd. She writes a lot that day about stuff, especially as it relates to the ladies of Langlofen, which I'll go over their history real quick for those who are not familiar. But about M, she writes, sat musing on the sofa, wadding what to do, inconsolate and moody, thinking of M, low about her. I cannot shake off the impression of what she said at Chester about delicacy in calculating C's life, Mr. Powis, etc. I know not how it is. I am shockingly low altogether. I need someone to console my lady. Someone. Won't <sighs> someone. Do you want to come inside my, my house? house. <laughs> <laughs> I need some. No, I need someone, anyone at this point to console my lady. So I guess I don't know where my other thing went about the ladies of Lingloffin. I can just run over really quickly what Wikipedia has to say about them, which again, <laughs> Wikipedia is never really my first choice, but always the quickest when your links have abandoned you. But Wikipedia reads the quote, ladies of Langolin, Eleanor Butler and Sarah Ponsby were two upper class Irish women whose relationship during the late 18th century and early 19th century scandalized and fascinated their contemporaries. Eleanor Charlotte Butler was a member of the Butler family the Earls and later Dukes of Ormond Butler was considered an overeducated bookworm by her family who resided at the Butler family seat Kilkenny Castle she spoke French and was educated at a convent in France Sarah lived with relatives, this is their early lives, in Woodstock County, Kilkenny, Ireland. She was a second cousin of Frederick Ponsonby, third Earl of Bessabur, and thus a second cousin once removed of his daughter, Lady Carolyn Lamb. So when it comes to their home, Wikipedia says, rather than face the possibility of being forced into unwanted marriages, they left County Kilkenny together in April 1778. Their families hunted them down and forcefully tried to make them give up their plans, but in vain. They moved to Wales with a servant, Mary Carroll, who lived and worked for them without pay for the rest of her life and don't, don't, don't say thruple let me finish and <laughs> i just feel like that look in your eye was like is it a thruple i don't know it was probably a, a queer they rescued but again again let me finish that look on your face I'm, I'm i can't even wait, concentrate I'm gonna wait. I'm gonna wait. all right and who was buried in the same plot and memorialized on see i see you i know i know i know and memorialized on the same grave marker putting their plan into motion they undertook a picturesque tour of the welsh countryside eventually settling in north wales living first in a rented home in the village of Langlofen. They moved in 1780 to a small cottage just outside the village they called Place Nuid, or New Mansion. They proceeded to live accordingly to their self-devised system, though they could rely on only a modest income from intolerant relatives and eventually a civil list pension. They, quote, improved Place Nuid in the Gothic style with Welsh oak paneling, pointed arches, stained glass windows, and an extensive library in which they received their many guests. They hired a gardener, a foot men and two maids. This led to significant debt and they had to rely on the generosity of friends. Under their part about their recognition and popularity, it says they devoted their time to hosting a range of friends and curious visitors, extensive correspondence, private studies of literature and languages, and improving their estate. Over the years, they added a circular stone diary and created a sumptuous garden and that Eleanor kept a diary of their activities. Langlofen people simply referred to them as, quote, the ladies. <laughs> <laughs> After a couple of years, their life attracted the interest of the outside world. Their house became a haven for visitors traveling between Dublin and London, including writers such as Anna Seward, Robert Southey, William Woodsworth, Percy Shelley, Lord Byron, and <laughs> I'm sure you recall Anne mentioning Byron. Mm. 
mm-hmm. and Sir Walter Scott, but also the military leader, the Duke of Wellington, and the industrialist Josiah Wedgwood. Aristocratic novelist Carolyn Lamb, who was born a Ponsonby, came to visit too, and Lister from Yorkshire <laughs> visited the couple and was possibly inspired by their relationship to informally marry her own lover. Um, I think she was inspired to live boldly out loud like they were, but I think her want of a wife, surely, surely proceeded (laughs) seeing these ladies but basically these ladies are like representation and how important is of course representation to everybody but especially people of all marginalized groups who generally don't get to see themselves in any capacity with regularity and truth and authenticity so that's basically a broad enough background of them and why people like Ann Lister who was mentioned in this Wikipedia would go visit to be like oh what y'all what are the ladies (laughs) doing today over there in their garden and also their parents I showed you that painting of like the wigs they supposedly wore and the white powder and stuff so I was like drama sounds pretty gay but all right and it could have been such a fun trip had Marianne not acted up the way she did right upon arrival like well first she talks about how therapeutic it is writing about her journal even though M is making her sad she writes then sat down and wrote the above of today I feel better for writing in fact come what may writing in my journals thus as it were throwing my mind on paper always does me good Mrs. Davis just returned brought a good account of her ladyship and a message of thanks for our inquiries from Mrs. Ponsonby who will be glad to see me this evening to thank me in person. Shall go about 6.30 or 7, just after dinner. And in code, she wrote, This is more than I expected. I wonder how I work my way and what she will think of me. Mrs. Davis wishes me to give all the comfort, all I can, and not to mention that I know of her having been called up last night. Dinner at 6. Before dinner, about two hours upstairs, washing and cutting my toenails, putting clean things on. So she's pressing herself to get ready for this visit. That's right, girl. I can't wait till... You get a load of what, you know, they all have to offer. Well, they, if they, they look like they taking the sacrament for real. Unless it's a thruple with the, the ladies made who never got paid, but stayed or she, it just it seems just like, it seems thing. like it. What? And well, then, what? And then the way they all got plotted. To, I, it looks like a thruple. <laughs> you know, I'm going to just sleep between y'all. Like, <laughs> 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 Good Lord. It's not but two days after that that Anne is musing about potentially wasting her life in vain. As we generally have seen, the more proximity and time is actually put there from her last meeting or seeing of Mariana, the more it seems like the wool comes over her eyes about certain things that she's willing to take and not take. Oh, and this is Thursday, July 25th. She writes, my aunt went upstairs. I sat musing on M, thinking I wasted my life in vain expectation hoping for a time which she is too delicate to like to calculate. (laughs) Somehow I cannot get over this. (laughs) Sorry, it's not funny that she can't get over it. It's just funny how she wrote it. Fucking delicate. Too delicate. Too (laughs) delicate. She focused in on words. And Mariana, please, if you would just choose your words more wisely. I feel like they're being used on purpose and with intent feel like look what she writes the next day slept very well last night for the bedrooms were comfortable and had taken seven glasses of wine which helped me to sleep in spite of the thought of them so she was out here on her tip on her fucking christopher rawson sipping on that scissor because she was in the dofuls hmm. 
She continues, I mused, but for a short while. Quote, I wasn't happy, said I. The last time I was here, I cannot be worse now. The delicacy of M's about C, I cannot forget. Perhaps I think more of it than it deserves. Perhaps I'm too fond of her. Did not lie long awake this morning. But then, you know, it's just another day where she writes, because she gets a letter from M. M's letter has done me good, for it is very affectionate. She meant not, I'm sure, to say anything to give me uneasiness. She asked if our meeting gave me as much pleasure as it did her, as if she suspected it did not. Well, I mean... No, 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 right. In my head, I was like, well, so, I mean, it's been a few days since we spoke, but are you feeling all right? Like, <laughs> you didn't take anything wrong with what I said, right? Like, so it was like she was looking to quench the validation from her attacks to see, but right. did they have any lingering lasting effects? Oh, you're still thinking about it. Oh, okay. All Good right. to know. <laughs> On August 3rd, Anne writes about the ladies of Linklaufen again and M's interest in these women. And regardless of how messy and ridiculous Mariana is, she's still a queer bitch and too would be affected by the news, the knowledge, the reality of two women circumventing the rules, subverting society's conventions in real time. She writes, Fool's cap sheep from M. She seems much interested about Lady Eleanor Butler and Miss Ponsonby. I am agreeably surprised never dreaming of such a thing at her observation. Quote, the account of your visit is the prettiest narrative I have read. You have at once excited and gratified my curiosity. And in code, she wrote, tell me if you think their regard has always been platonic and if you ever believed pure friendship could be so exalted. If you do, I shall think they are brighter amongst mortals than I ever believed they were, end quote. I cannot help thinking that surely it was not platonic. Heaven forgive me, but I look within myself in doubt. I feel the affirmity of our nature and hesitate to pronounce that such attachments, uncemented by something more tender still than friendship, but much or all depends on the story of their former lives, the period past before they lived together, that feverish dream called youth i do like that phrase that feverish dream called youth what a phrase and accurate <laughs> yeah for a lot so thoughts uh comments i wondering if it's almost like she's again uh she wants to be it sounds like she wants to be really candid but she doesn't know how it'll read if she was so it's like this to was... mariana um, or mariana no. to Anne. No, let's 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 come back because what I thought I was just listening to was an account of the visit. Well, in a sense, I jumped some entries because I can't go through the whole timeline. Oh, no. Okay, got you. So Anne had written to Mariana about you know these women wanting to meet them, and also oh I did, and here's how it went. So Mariana has written back to ask things about this. Like she's like, oh, so you saw these women. Do you really think they're together? Like, do you really think they like a couple? Like, do you think it's platonic, like everyone says, including them, you know, for reasons that make total sense? Or do you think it's sapphic? Lord Byron. You know, these fucking clues that they have about who is on the grubble and who is not. And for propriety's sake, even though Anne Lister was surely trying to suss out when she met the infamous lady of the, I don't say cabin, the cottage, to be like, I feel like this is a gay doing gay <laughs> stuff in the wild, but I can't just come right out and say these things. These words don't actually exist. And also I know she knows. We all know we're not supposed to talk about this out loud. Not where people can hear, even though the servant evidently was like, mm -hmm, I know all about it. I know all about it. <laughs> what uh, you like to know? <laughs> 19th century representation. So you just, you just jaunt about here without any shillings or just now nothing just you work for free just on the estate really? <laughs> a 
Ben is like, well, I couldn't do this because, you know, I already said I can't have an extra bitch in the house like Charlotte. That would have been the Charlotte Ann and Tibbs scenario. She's like, no, 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 just one. <laughs> I mean, I guess it helps so it couldn't that work none for of her. them are related. But she couldn't help but dream about it. Like, you can't see something like that and not dream and wonder to yourself if you can have that, too. And I think that Mariana, despite all the issues, was like, I wonder, too. That seems pretty cool. They're kind of doing their own thing and making it somehow. They're not destitute. They're not in jail. They're not on the block or at the gallows. So that's a success. So when you are wondering and you're, when you are mentally jaunting, when you like, when you are dreaming of having things, um, in a sense, it can leave you in a state that's sort of untethered where you're like in the clouds. But to see someone living their truth, it's like the dream now has roots and legs and it's planted on the ground. So it's, it's just something that will make you sort of believe that what you want, you could actually have for real. You just need someone who's willing to put in that work with mm -hmm. you to to get it. Agreed. There is another letter from Mariana, and she's throwing dirt on Isabella's name once again because she her spidey sense of grubbles is like, I don't know. Every time y'all bitches see each other, you argue and you have your issues, but there's always, generally, usually, a kiss and I'm concerned <laughs> at what happens over there. So Anne writes on Sunday, August 11th. I am very affectionate. She thinks Isabel would not suit me. Looks fat and gross. Mm, that's unnecessary. She danced on Wednesday and looked almost vulgar. I could not keep my eyes off her or my mind from you. End quote. That's Mariana writing that. They had a squabble on Friday evening just before M began to write. Quote, oh, how I hate squabbles. They make me low and nervous and my mind always turns to you and the prospect of having, by and by, a safe mooring from all strife and contention with a sort of anxiety which makes me sometimes very impatient of delay. End quote. And then Anne writes, this does not correspond with the delicacy she felt on the subject at Chester. <laughs> <laughs> oh, petty Anne Lester. I, I shall not she... avert to it. God. <laughs> yeah, she's like, I shall not avert to it. I believe she loves me. Surely our fortunes are now bound together. I will not dwell on what has given me so much pain. And that is so the Ann Lister way. Let me not dwell on what has given me so much pain, but maybe a little dwell, a little bit of dwell, perhaps could have something. I love the way Ann Lister uses the word delicacy. That's what I said, a bitch petty as fuck, because here go Mariana using delicate, and she has reused the word delicate and delicacy so expertly every time yes. since. But I'm not hearing her say this aloud, and yet yet she's written in such a way where the petty flies through yes! completely. You know, they say that you can't uh, detect <laughs> the, uh, uh, what they call them, inflections upon uh, flat notes, which are you I know, think parcels and parchment. But if you know in your heart the person who is sending this note, then you know what they were saying and what they were going for. And she hits this Listen one, like heart. others, out of the park. This is, this is a home run. And I love it. Mm-hmm. And so obviously M and Isabella had contact in their separate social things. And of course, would have energy for each other. Like, I don't like you. I don't like you too, bitch. But I got to pretend I got like you because, you know, propriety. propriety. <laughs> We're British. <laughs> we kind of grew up knowing each other. So we can't just all of a sudden fall out. Would that be proper? There's a short mention of M and C on Friday the 16th where she writes, she, M, brought Mr. Lawton C with her the other day, and he is certainly looking better than I expected, and is certainly very gentlemanly in his manners, but his figure is dreadful. He pressed us very much to go to Lawton, but I fear we shall not be able to accomplish it. Just before he took his leave, he said that he never saw anything so extraordinary as my likeness to you, upon which M exclaimed with a very silly face that it was paying me a very great compliment. On any other occasion, I should have said the same thing. 
but I was so astonished at hearing him mention your name that I was, as we say in Yorkshire, perfectly dumbfounded. So is this like that, uh, I don't want to say that dreadful film because I haven't seen it, but with the glass breaking, do you remember the scene in the preview where it was like, um, I don't know what it was that he said Which to scene? Mariana with the glass break? So she dropped oh, the yeah, glass. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Well, see, she got a letter from Isabella Buxton getting some gooseberries. And so she's out here talking that shit about seeing Mariana and Charles. <laughs> And sending that gossip to Anne, like, oh, I saw that motherfucker. Let me tell you, he looking healthier than he should definitely be looking. But um, I mean, just dreadful, just dreadful. I guess he was nice and gentlemanly in his manners, but my god. And then the nerve to invite me to the Lawton house. I don't know. But then he compared (laughs) this person's image to Anne Lister, and so she thinks it's ridiculous, even though she's like, "Well, you're paying me a compliment," but saying that Mariana with a ridiculous face was like. What? <laughs> Charles, what the fuck you saying? And basically was like, well, that's a, that surely is a compliment to you. So she was being shady, but at the same time, I guess she was trying to have the propriety. But the person themselves was like, I, I would say too it was a compliment, but I'm just shocked at the fuck. What the fuck came out of his mouth? What the fuck did he just say to me? Remind you, Van Lista, what the fuck? So yeah, I just thought that was weird and funny. Charles, what you doing? Uh, I guess he's in his petty bag. <laughs> and on the 26th, Anne mentions wanting to see the ladies of Langlaflin with Mariana. Like, take a, a gay pilgrimage like a whole bunch of people are doing to Halifax, like, except us. But I feel like her only first, queer is not going. The first go-around, she was Ugh. trying to do that with Mariana. But Mariana was, had different energy. And that put- not necessarily, not necessarily, because she was on a trip with her aunt and she was doing other things. I wouldn't say that it's Mariana not wanting to go because she was obviously curious and intrigued, but a trip for them together, the two of them, that would be preferred, absolutely, than having your aunt or someone else along. Right. But then also try to experience this this, this gay representation. It's like, this right. cottage was like gay Disneyland for, for Ann Lister in right. terms of like, wow, look at what could be, look at what happened. They build stuff, <laughs> man's work. And they dress the way they want and they are on their own terms. Like that's aspirational, especially in those fucking times. Well, in any time, actually, living the way you prefer, if you are not harming anyone, is ideally, I feel like, what people want. And she wrote, I do indeed feel anxious and interested that these ladies should live at least a few years longer. I should like to see them both together and should like M to be with me. Will this ever be or not? Home. I want it to be. And I want the same servant to be there as well. Whoa, wow. (laughs) I was about to make a dirty joke, but I'm going to keep that. (laughs) I'm going to keep that. Like, can you imagine, like, a tea conversation? So, M, you're you're married, you say. So how long have you had that problem? Like, (laughs) uh... (sighs) So we're going to skip some months to head towards the end of the year in November, where Anne and Tib see each other once again. And do you think sex happens in this... I mean, if it's Isabella, I'm going to say it might happen. Right. If it's Anne. So (laughs) if it's Isabella and Anne, the grubble's going down. I'm going to just say it's going to happen. So this entry I'm going to reference happens on November 25th, which is a Monday. And Anne goes to see Tib. She wrote, better kiss last night than Tib has given me for long. Uncomfortable in dressing with Tib in bed. She taxed me with using a squirt, as she called it. I denied, but won't use the syringe again, however gently, when she is in the room. Cut my... <laughs> cut my... Oh my God. Sound like a motherfucking douche, but anyway. <laughs> 
cut my finger with the broken handle of the foot pot. Sad, careful, economical, or stingy work. Dawdling and did not come down till ten and a half. Tib soon followed. A little bit of butter at breakfast, but saw it would not do to ask for more. Two saddish old maid buns. <laughs> Yo, the way Abby write and describe and shit sometimes. Have you read from a snobby bitch? I don't know. Not, certainly not this year have I read a snobby bitch, but it is always so entertaining. If she ever wanted to write for like Zagat, I would read all of her, all of her entries. She's like two saddish old maid buns. It will take some time to reconcile me. I shall be glad to get home again. I was like, girl, you always got some half-baked shit to say when you out there seeing Tip. God, I can't wait to be home again. But girl, look what she doing while you there. She don't make no damn sense. But at least she had a better kiss than long. I mean, I guess Tip was putting the work in. The chemistry was right that night. She was not dry as a stick and... And was like, well, wow. And I'm like, for a long time, so you talking about like first year Tib? Like first year that you knew Tib, second year Tib, whatever that jaunt was looking like when you guys first met? Sexual experimentation, which is what I imagine, especially when they're being so similar with each other. So Tib actually tries to be optimistic about Mariana too on the 27th and writes that Isabella and I sat up talking in my room till 1220. She takes much less wine now for economy's sake. Only four glasses a day told her how much she was improved. We talked about M. She likes her as much as ever. Nothing can ever make her dislike her again. <laughs> um, hmm. Well, I don't know. If she lived with me, Tib would come and see us. And though M slept with me, Tib would not dislike her. <laughs> well, that's that's growth to a, a point. Where, but she also said Tib wasn't drinking. And we know <sighs> that Tib lets it all fly about how she really feels about the situation when she's had a bit more of her right. Madeira she's or like, her snuff or whatever the fuck she feels she's like. down to just four taken. glasses a day. And I'm like, wow, just down to four It's like, girl, but you just had seven not that long ago just to, just to get through the night and think less about Mariana. So why don't you give Tib a fucking break when she's still stuck on you, actually? Well, I mean, again, what she was able to do was through this talk, even though... It's not detailed. It's essentially saying if there is a pecking order to Pound Town or whatever she's going to call it. A pecking order to Pound Town. Whatever she's going to call it. And then it's like, well, you know, you're here, so you're here. But M is my wife. And you get this. Which is why she's like, yeah, you know, if y'all live together, I'll visit. I won't be mad. Like, so that way, from this point onward, there should be less contention to such a drastic degree as far as. I mean, with propriety in mind, with how she is treating her sister mm -hmm. in regards to how they feel about Ann Lister. Mm -mm -mm. And then we got a mention of the damn complaint. Ew. It's the 10th of December. And Ann Lister writes, consulted the doctor about my complaint and the consequent discharge. Oh, dear. Said I had caught it from a married friend whose husband was a dissipated character. <laughs> I wonder if that's uh, C, but let's continue. Oh, well. I certainly hope so. I had gone to the cabinet water closet just after her. Oh. Now that is a way to say that. Right. Yeah. So <laughs> it's the toilet. She like, it's the toilet seat. You know, it, it um, <laughs> the necessary did the unnecessary and gave me this complaint. It wasn't by my own means, doctor. Never. She continues that she mentioned the state she was in in my fears, said I had taken cubibs and used a wash of corrosive sublimate and opium and latterly alum lotion. He would consider the case and wish me to call again tomorrow and on the 14th which is four days later she writes about tib and her fucking again and says i had a very good kiss last night tib had not a very good one i have been perpetually in horrors for fear of infecting tib i wonder whether the discharge is at all venereal or not i'm disturbed by the visuals i'm disturbed by the visuals this is gross. usually i'm not disturbed i'm the opposite of disturbed i'm i don't know what that is right now too this much is gross alcohol but 
the opposite you guys know it's um i just um like i'm trying to go I, down down oh no to go down well down first of all no one's going down down on Anne. i'm not, certainly not, not Tim. now oh oh look you know what it's like you oh. want to have i don't have anything to throw at you no, damn I it know, I, know, I, know. I would have tossed something at this like, point this the is, fuck she's over here like i'm just trying to but i have to second guess all my moves because they involve lord i love this is bad and poor tib poor tib is still in like i wonder what's going right. Tib just out here trying to get a decent kiss not a complaint i can't believe this oh tib 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 so let's just move on to 18 motherfucking 23 because in this year a couple things of note happen and befriends a miss pickford who is another queer and surprises Anne really with the fact that she too is a queer in the world of the British hanging out in Halifax and whereabouts. And Anne has a lot of questions for her in a, her closeness with a Miss Thurfall, which I found curious because Anne seems to think that she's very good at always hiding her queerness. But like I said, I, from my own personal interpretation, it seems like she wasn't actually that good at hiding with Miss Pickford, but needed to believe on some level that she was for herself. So where did they meet? How did they end up in each other's orbits? Like, how did that connection? Yeah. How did, they... how did, it, how did it go down? Well, how else do the queer ladies meet Terence? A tale as old as time. As gals being pals. <laughs> Sapphically charged social situations that are supposed to be being honored for typical societal conventions. Uh, but, you know, the spirit of Lilith flies right underneath <laughs> the head gaze. And that's where the queers have all their fun. No, but yeah, social, social shit. So I guess I'll start off in February because there's a mention of Anne getting a letter from M on the 15th. And, you know, she back to the oscillating where she writes letter from M. I know not how it is. I am beginning to have not sufficient interest in her letters. Perhaps I am best satisfied to think little upon the subject. And certainly she is not constantly in my mind. How will all this end? Were I to meet with anyone who thoroughly suited me, I believe I should regret being at all tied. Oh, that this were not so. How will it all end? Poor, come on. I mean, it's hard to spend, well, I don't know much about how harsh the winters could get, but it's in, always nice in, to oh, have. Oh, in England? It's always harsh nice enough. to have, right. Cold. Someone there, you know. <laughs> And so for you to be Body separated, heat. right, for you to be separated in these months, and then here comes a note. This note's not going to keep me warm. I mean... Well. And I'm sure the notes that Mariana wrote were affected by what was happening her day to day. How much was Charles pissing her off? What did he say? What might have someone else said? What is going on with her? Is her complaint bothering her today? Because she got one too. What is going on? And of course, that ebb and flow is going to result in a different ebb and flow on Ann Lister's side. And sometimes she ebbs and flows into another lady and, well... 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 We're not here to judge. We're just here to research, though. <laughs> but Another um, year, still no air. I know. In this month is when she meets Miss Pickford. I'll read what Helena Whitbread writes in her book, and she says, During the month of February, Anne met a new friend, Miss Pickford, who was staying with her sister, Mrs. Wilcock, and with whom she struck up a strong platonic friendship. The two women's intellects were well-matched, as were their natures. As they became more friendly, Miss Pickford began to confide in Anne, telling her about her relationship with a Miss Thrawfall. Anne began to suspect that the involvement was that of lover and loved, as hers was with M. The town was again on the alert to Anne's new friendship. <laughs> Those the nosy haters of Halifax, right. mind your business. Just alert. mind your business. Damn, can two bitches just talk about their bitches without other bitches? In their jet? I no? mean, it was like Damn. this. Um, Fuck. Hello, how are your daughters? Has Anne been around them recently? And it's like, well, no. Actually, how do? How Anne's, do? Right. <laughs> actually, Anne's been rather taken by um 
you know, the newer girl in town. And it's like, oh, has she? And then, ugh. So initially, Anne has a quick mention of Miss Pickford. She's talking about how she called it the salt marshes and spoke chiefly in favor of Miss Pickford. They think her blue and masculine. She is called Frank Pickford. She frightens Emma and seems to enjoy doing so. Miss Pickford is certainly like a gentlewoman and clever, to neither of which can Emma or the people here lay claim. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, these hoes got nothing in their head, but they out here trying to talk shit about Miss Pickford. I wish a bitch would. I like that they, wait, they call her Frank. I can't. And of course, Anne would be like, excuse me. I get that too from Right, Dix, exactly. They call me who's Jack. Who are threatened <laughs> by how gentle, womanly, and manly, and all the things I am, especially when other ladies are in the room. But I cannot help it. I just let nature be my guide. I cannot help it. So far to me, like if I had to picture her, she sounds like Bismuth. Oh, really? But I, I know you don't really watch like Steven Universe like that, but Lord, yeah. That sounds interesting. I plan on getting more into Steven Universe soon, though. And now I have more of a reason. That's why I get in my head. Definitely Bismuth. Wow. I was reading this quick line from the entry the next day because it makes me laugh. But she's like, sat next to Miss Pickford as usual. How I can still run after the ladies! Exclamation point. <laughs> Sorry, this is Anne looking at herself like, girl, I'm past 30 and look at the way I run after ladies. I swear. <laughs> you are so gay, Anne. And she continues, I should well enough like to know more of her. I talk a little to her just before and after the lecture and if she were young and pretty, should certainly scrape acquaintance. But all things considered, I must be cautious. Do you hear this, hoe? I mean, but this is how you got to be. <laughs> Listen. That's something to maintain. I strive to be so consistent. And <laughs> Never energy. change, Ann Lister. Never change. She's like, look, um, I'm still chasing, but honestly, if she were younger and prettier, I definitely would get into that scrape. But you know, no, no, no. As it were, she's not Miss Brown. I'm able to express some sense of self-control and just like hang out and do the chase, but not the entire grubble. I'm trying to be an adult. I'm trying to be serious. I don't want people talking the way they always talk, like Mrs. Belko, who <laughs> made me never want to speak again in her house because she's talking that shit. And she ends it by saying, I have no house to ask her to. I must hope for some society in days to come. Because she's like, that bitch not coming to Shipton. <laughs> I can't. She's like, I can't ask her over. So hopefully she grants me some society so I can spend more time around her because I feel this natural draw of magnetism, which is the queerness. Like, I need to know her. I need to be around her. I need to talk to her. So hopefully she will make that happen. Little did she know, Miss Pickford was like, mm, I see a little jaunt over there. It looks like a, a queer jaunt. <laughs> Let me invite this bitch over for tea. There's a lot of really interesting stuff about her, Miss Pickford. I certainly can't go through all of it. Because I feel like it's very nuanced, their conversations. I'm just going to pick out like two times, really, that it's mentioned just because I found it especially fascinating and entertaining. But I would certainly advise everyone who is reading stuff or potentially hasn't read stuff or, you know, reread it too. Just the Miss Pickford parts. And let me know what y'all think about their interactions because I'm totally curious at all the different shades people can see about their friendship, potentially. Actually, before we go to Miss Pigford, we take another stop because, hey, this is the Aniana saga. Oh, was there another note? <laughs> oh, how did you guess it? So if the last note came the 15th of February, this is, I want to say, early March. Oh, no, it's, it's much later than that. Wait, how much later? Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> well, you know, when you're masquerading as a head somewhere in Chester, things can take longer than you expect. And sometimes you can't write your letters when you want to. You know what I'm saying? Sometimes it takes months. Sometimes. <laughs> Whoa. Oh, I Mariana. Mm -mm. I know. Mm -mm. I know. What I'm going to cite is Anne writing in July. Okay. Upset. 
because she's had no letter from Mariana. So that's what that is. But before I get to that fucked up nature of whatever's happening in Mariana's life, why she can't write a motherfucking letter, we'll take a pit stop about Anne not being able to sleep in the dead of summer. Not just because it's hot, but because she has a violent longing for companionship. And well, it's just of note because it's of note. It happens on July 12th and she writes, could not sleep last night, dozing hot and disturbed. A violent longing for a female companion came over me. Never remember feeling it so painfully before. It was absolute pain to me. That sounds like she hasn't had the opportunity to uh, make a woman happy in, in some time. That's... I mean, that's since Tib. Tib is the only one. And we know that with Tib, it's complicated. And it's not drama free because with Tib, there will always be a degree of feelings there and things that will come after it, even though she wants to be like, no strings, no strings. But there's still a little bit of string for poor Tib because she still has feelings. She's not a fucking, she's not devoid right, of emotions robot, and feelings. Right. right. So that's going to happen. But I mean, this straight up gayness has this ever happened to you before i mean this could just be the really fancy georgian way of saying i'm horny as fuck no 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 i mean I that's see that's that. what it is yeah. it's just really prettily said very prettily said and of course the other side of horniness in this situation is probably also just like profound loneliness oh well yeah or she's not just craving an o but the comfort and companionship that comes with being close um, and holding someone you care about or makes you feel like your existence is validated, maybe? That's, well, that's... I mean, I, was that uh, a little too heavy? <laughs> I mean, a, a little. Do you feel validated? Uh, well, I mean, is it too heavy for Ann Lister? Because she, I mean, as we've been talking about it, and it seems like, at least in some ways, in some categories, she does validate her existence as a queer person what? through no, yeah. her intimate relationships with women. And if you're having a drought... <laughs> of right. any contact with women it probably feels just like you were less yourself no it's true it's less true fulfilled. it's true just thoughts just thoughts yeah this is called a rough time and she's literally like well you're not here so it happens to us all and i wonder i would have to check out this page of the entry if she incurred across that day but i would perhaps presume maybe that this was a day of intense incurring of a cross if Ever, there should be a day violent longing seems like a reason for that right, to happen. she was like this is not enough like whatever whoever she was thinking of like no i want a companion like it was she was not specific she wasn't like i need mariana no she said, she said i need a woman yes shit so which speaks to that's different some choices that certain people make certain days when they just need to cross a finish line I mean, the girl was a hot mess. So that was the 12th, right? On the 20th is when she muses about no letter from Mariana. She writes, Emma's uppermost in my mind, and she has taught me to live without her, yet not without regret. The once, yeah, the want of a thousand little delicate notices in her letters of what I have written and of what she might know I have felt often makes me fear she has not that fineness, that romantic elegance of feeling that I admire and that she scarcely understands me well enough to make me so happy as perhaps I once too fondly thought. She's, she's like right, childhood she's fancy. out of the wants. I get it. I know. She's like, Lord. She's like, does she get me? Does she get the intensity of my feelings? Does she get the intensity of what I need from her? I don't think she does. Uh, I mean, it's one of the more challenging things when the love languages aren't really compatible in a relationship because it's like, this isn't right. And I know that what I'm putting out deserves a modicum of uh, reciprocity. And I'm not, don't feel like I'm getting that here or now. I mean, and then the ad that she's what, uh, 
hot to trot on top of it. That's a gross thing to say. Just a week mm-hmm. ago, having that violent urge to need a woman's touch. And it's like, well, I need, I mean, I would need for my wife to at least feel like she would want to be felt by me. <laughs> and I didn't read the the first part of this entry where she is first talking about being worried about M, but that's what precedes the sentiment of like, I don't even know if this is supposed to work out because she starts out saying, I was musing on having no letter from M. I fear she is ill, perhaps in bed with a bilious attack, but she must know my anxiety. Could she not have written one line or could not Lou have written for her? As I returned from the library on Thursday and afterwards during dinner, I was musing on the good things I had to enjoy, the independence, easy circumstances and domestic importance etc and felt a feeling of happiness that the thought of m did not break in upon to disturb on friday too while driving out as i walked to wellhead in the evening the same sort of happy feeling made my spirits light yesterday my time was broken into i had no letter so that's her saying like oh here's two days just about and i was i was able to be preoccupied with other things not mariana but yesterday was not one of them damn days yesterday it broke the fuck through and i'm thinking to myself why is there no letter why is she not writing to me And she continues, I tried to chase away the thought. I dozed in the evening for my spirit was heavy. Today I am uneasy. I disquiet myself, perhaps in vain. My fancy and my thoughts are sick. M is uppermost in my mind and she has taught me to live without her, yet not with regret. And that's where we started off. Oh. So it's kind of fucked. And then... To add insult to injury, the next day, well, okay, so not the next day, but two days later, on the 22nd, she writes that she got a letter from M. So it's really the next day because she gets a letter the next day, but doesn't write about it until two days later about what she did the day before. Letter from M, dated yesterday, wishes me to be circumspect about the nature of their relationship. Quote, I have a feeling on the subject which no earthly power can remove. And great as the misery which it would entail upon myself might be, I would endure it all rather than the nature of our connection should be known to any human being being i'm sorry that i'm gonna just politely put these headphones on this thing i'm gonna stand up (laughs) i'm going to walk out because this is Mm. i just Mm. if i were to receive any notice it's rough it's rough in this realm Mm -hmm. so you'd rather not be with me than die of the embarrassment (laughs) of people knowing that we were ever a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you expect me to find the silver lining in that somewhere, somehow, right? So that I'm not angry with you and the fact that you not only attacked my personhood, but you attacked my dream mm-hmm. to my face, to me. You're talking not about me, but to me. And this was really bad timing for Mariana in the sense that Anne was already like, okay, I'm back to thinking, why aren't you writing me? Why aren't you talking to me? This is actually not enough. I need more contact, more words, more something. And then I she mean- writes like, listen, actually, if we could just keep this on the furthest down low. In fact, invisible? In fact, no words at all. Because if anyone ever knew, I'd rather die. Like, it's worse than death for someone to know about what we're on about. So let us be extra careful to take extra precaution. And on her side, is like, but I, bitch, I, I don't even be catching letters like that. This is the first letter like i was feeding for a letter i get this letter and the like, letter saying don't be looking for no romantic letters like this is it's rough it's not enough and then you'll after today you'll feel away if i'm starting to welcome the attention of somebody else who's got time for me so mm-hmm. i mean you have to tell me what you want because it sounds like from what you just said that you don't really want me you don't want me and, and i mean and this is not i mean mariana has a heck used. of a lot of intern internalized homophobia she really does and then it's unfortunate and certainly a byproduct of the times but still 
very, very unfortunate. So a bright spot in this area, and a bright spot for me just because I like little facts like this, was that on July 24th, Ann Lister essentially writes about man's work getting her raring to go to take a bad woman. <laughs> like she was just flexing in the field. And she was like, you know what I could do? Grubble, right after this. So she writes on Thursday, July 24th, went into the hayfield to look after the men, just changed my dress while they went to their dinner and with them and sauntering till about 6.10. And I know sauntering is a word that has actual applications, but to me, when Ann Lister writes sauntering, I just I picture jaunting. this jaunty yeah, swagger. of just you. like, right. bitch, it's my property. What are you men even doing? Do you even know anything? What's the last time you read a book? Ugh, I guess that looks okay. No, <laughs> no seriously that, yes. Later on down the entry, she writes, then sauntered with my aunt along the new road and then returned to the haymakers. Saw the Pearson ing cleared. I had, in the first instance, helped James Smith off with some of the hay from the still smoking mow. Found it not quite so bad as my aunt and sent him into the hayfield. With the gardener and George, we had 15 men and boys at work. And then in code, she wrote, all this ordering and work and exercise seemed to excite my manly feelings. I saw a pretty young girl go up the lane and desire rather came over me. So she was out there doing but, man's work. A pretty young thing was just walking a path, and she was right. like, "Well, damn." Like, hmm. So you gay. mean to tell me if I do? <laughs> you mean to tell me if I do more yard work, I have more opportunities to see pretty young ladies walk? Just girl, walking I just said you should let her see the image because even if you was out there sweating doing man's work, you just might have fucked the bitch's petticoats up. Right? You never know. So law of now probability. That she sees what's out there. She's like, "Well, maybe I should come out here and do more of this more often." But I'm sure that's the, the gayness you can't deny. Right. She literally cannot turn off that part of her. Doesn't matter how emotional she is about Mariana. She was just outside doing man's work. So I pretty bitch and was like, well, damn. Well, that's nice. Shall I run after her? No, no, Anne. Anne, you're 31. <laughs> God, be a grown up. And just the other day, she was like, you know, I can still chase the ladies. Who knew? <laughs> Who knew? And I guess with the life expectancy order, um, that is an accomplishment. She's like, I still, <laughs> I still got, got it. it right. I still got it. So that entry tickles me. 